This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is what Tuesday, December eighteenth, two thousand eighteen. Christmas is not far off. I hope you've done a lot of your shopping. Get it behind you. So I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me today on Invest Talk. Our daily objective here is to make you an above-average investor. To help you achieve that goal, I promise to provide unbiased insight as best I can. And along the way, I also welcome your investment questions. That's how that's how the show goes. That's how it progresses with your questions. And you can get through anytime you want right now. You can call our anytime listener line, 888-99-CHART. Well, the Dow opened up this morning. It was pretty strong for, you know, half hour or so, then not so strong. After half hour, 24 of the Dow 30 stocks were in the red. They did end up up, the market did today, but not with anything in, uh, in, in gusto. I mean, the Dow has lost about 1,000 points in the last two sessions alone. The S&P opened up, but remember, it has lost trillions of dollars of market cap already. I'm going to step up on a, on a limb today. I'm going to say that we are in a bell market, a bear market. I've been saying we've been in a stealth bear market because the official definition, we didn't get there. But I think we're we're, we're in a bear market. I, I think I'm going to have to, dec- and I'll, I'll explain a little more details as the show goes along. So the S&P was up. But do you see what it ended up being? Not even a point. Two-tenths of a point, three-tenths of a point for the day. All the big tech stocks opened up. It's not, it, it was not a forceful rebound today. It was not. We are, the market is waiting for the Fed tomorrow to announce what it's going to do with interest rates. The market is also very oversold, meaning it's going to bounce. We're going to get some kind of bounce. I don't know how much, but I don't want you to get too excited about the bounce. It's not a return to, to the bull market. It's just a bounce from being oversold. Oil was uh, at $47 a barrel today. And that makes gasoline costs lower. And that makes people have more money in their pocket. And that's really not, not a bad thing for the economy, even though gasoline and oil stocks have been suffering. Uh, it's hard for me to see it going much lower than this area that it's at right now. But it's possible. It's just hard to believe. I mean, what the average gasoline price is out there like $2.36 across the nation and it's been going down for like 70 days in a row that's pretty good it's about time for it to bounce with the market here's a bit of news that might be troubling you know more teens are vaping with e-cigarettes drinking alcohol is down and so is use of opioids about 20 percent of high school students may now be vaping i have a niece whose parents caught her doing that 13 year old vaping it's not a good because many people think vaping is is the pathway to actual tobacco products and i would probably agree with that because vaping has nicotine in it that's what you get addicted to amazon online sales are sharply up with nearly 40 percent of sales coming from mobile devices and for shoppers amazon will 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 amazon will dominate the holiday season dominate Problem, though, is you got porch pirates. Heard about that? People stealing things, Amazon deliveries 
from the porches, it's a big problem. For Amazon, it's a big problem. I mean, you order stuff from Amazon, it's stolen. It's like you didn't order it and you paid for it. Now Amazon didn't send it. It's a big problem for Amazon. It really is. They got to, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I would probably have nothing delivered to the porch. That would probably be a way to solve that. You know. So there's a lot of market news out there, as there is every day, and I try to get to some of the highlights. And what has happened to one of our most amazing market companies? Do you know? Stay with me. We'll talk about it. But first, let's make time for a question from our Intertime Listener Line number, 888-99-CHART. Two quick questions, if I may. First, on an inherited Roth IRA, is the beneficiary required to take required minimum distributions? And my second question, on your managed portfolios, do you use a certain group of retail mutual funds or do you, are you using institutional uh, mutual funds? Thank you. Okay, answer the first question. Um, inherited Roth IRA. A Roth IRA is never taxed. Never tax. So when you inherit a Roth, there's no taxes due except for maybe inheritance tax. There's a certain amount you can inherit without a tax. All the, all the particulars about how, what, what has to be done with the inherited IRA, I don't know because that's not my speciality. But I know Roths are never taxed. So if you inherit one, you're not going to get taxed. Um, and far as our, our managed accounts, we don't buy mutual funds. We buy stocks. We may buy some ETFs. We have only ETFs when we want to short the market. We get we have we own in one of our managed accounts are about twenty seven percent short ETF, twenty to twenty five percent, somewhere around that. A little, I think it's closer to twenty five short ETFs. But that's the only time we use ETFs. Otherwise, it's always individual stocks. Mutual funds have a fee. They have an annual fee. And if you're paying us to manage the money, why would we want to pay a manager to manage the money? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, to me, that makes no sense you know, to buy mutual funds. And when you can do the same thing, you know, if you wanted to with ETFs. But ETFs have a fee too, so we try to stay away from them. We only buy individual stocks. Thank you for the call. I appreciate that. Today's main talking point. Apple shares could fall another 10% before stabilizing, technicians say. So, mostly, you know, it's four straight months that re Apple's been in the red. Four straight months. I I think they're right. And I'll tell you why I think they're right. I think they're right. And some of the other topics I have on schedule today. All the biggest stocks are now in bear market territory. I got a list of them. The, some of the biggest stocks. And, you know, I, I also at the same time this talking about, I'm going to explain why... Um, the indexes may not be in bear market territory, but stocks are. I mean, many individual stocks, more than half are. Also, here, why the Fed won't save the stock market despite its worst December. Do you know this is the worst of December? It could, it's on track to be the worst December since 1931. 1931, because usually December is positive. This has been a very difficult December. And I want to talk about Robin Hood and whether they're insured. SIPC, FDIC, what, what? You know, Robin Hood, that software you guys have been using out there, the trade on. I have a little warning flag for you. Not about the system itself. The system itself works fine, but something else. So the Dow was up 83, the NASDAQ was up 30, and the SP was flat today. 
That's a lot better than it has been, but it's not anything to write home about. And everybody's waiting. All the traders and investors are waiting for the Fed, what they're going to do. The Everybody also thinks the Fed's going to raise the rates by a quarter point. It's not what they're going to do tomorrow. It's what they're going to say, I think. And let's say they don't raise the rates a quarter point. Let's say they don't. Do you realize I think that might hurt the market too? <laughs> well, why do I say that? Because it's expected that they do. And if they don't, that means the Federal Reserve may be listening to the president, not be independent. See, the market wants the Federal Reserve to be independent. It doesn't want to be political doesn't want it to be, even though it is. They don't want it to be. And they want to make sure that the Fed does demonstrate independence. And not raising the rates tomorrow would probably be construed as listening make, listening to a bending to the will of the president. And the market may not like that. So the, the, the Federal Reserve is kind of stuck, <laughs> no matter what it does. I think, I think what they should do, I mean, I thought they should stop raising rates two or three times ago. But that's me. But I think they should raise the rates tomorrow because of the politics involved, but make it clear that they're probably not going to raise the rates or let it be very, or they're going to wait and wait a while to make to see how the economy starts. Give some kind of signal that they're not going to raise two, three, four times next year, which everybody thinks that they are because that's what they've been telling us. Only in recent weeks have they been backing off that a little bit. Okay, we're headed into a break, quick break, one minute. On the other side, what is happening to one of our most amazing market com companies out there? And of course, I'm talking to your, I'm going I'm to take all your questions. You can start asking them now, 888-99-CHART. Talk everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. I want to invite you to join me and Justin in our next free live webinar. It will be on Thursday, December 27th at 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Volatility can be your enemy or your friend. It comes down to making the right decisions when opportunities present themselves, which they always do in a bear market. Something always is working. This is one reason why you should be part of our free live webinar December 27th. All you have to do is register at investtalk.com. is just one week away and New Year's only two weeks. So as we continue through the final trading days of 2018, are you doing everything possible to make sure that your investments are performing as well as they should be? Well, you can get answers and learn more at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve is here and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Okay, we've had a pretty tough market in December, right? And the volatility has been underway since, what, October. So now it might be interesting to look at the fortunes of, of the company that probably has the most unprecedented rags to witches story in the past 100 years. And I mean in terms of starting with nothing, zero, now being one of the most valuable, three most valuable or the most valuable company in the United States, more with us based on market cap, market capitalization. Okay, and I'm, of course, referring to Amazon. 
You know, Amazon, not just Apple. So you probably thought I was talking about Apple, but I am going to talk about it, but this I'm referring to Amazon. And here's the amazing thing. Amazon is tracking for its worst quarter since 2008 and now faces a key technical test. The technical meaning around the charts. And we found this story, by the way, in, in CNBC.com. The stock, one-fourth of the FANG stocks, Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, FANG, um, Amazon, uh, trade, uh, trade. Okay, one-fourth of the fang, FANG trade has tanked 23% since the beginning of October, tracking for its worst quarter since the fourth quarter of 2008, right? So could there be more downside ahead for Amazon? I mean, Amazon had not had seen these kinds of losses in a decade, in 10 years. So what's important to note here is that while the S&P 500 is breaking below its October low, Amazon is still above it, trying to make this higher low. That is a sign of relative strength. But if it doesn't, then it's head down. Remember, chart reading is not a science. It's an art. So is Amazon on a chart? And I'm going to talk about Apple on a chart here in just a minute or two. Um, and I'm not suggesting you buy them or sell them. There's not a recommendation. But you know Amazon is going to continue to grow. It's not going to shrink. It's still on a growth path. And it peaked in September. And the rallies, you know, for, the rallies have, the, the Amazon ha shares have rallied 75% for the year since then it has tumbled 24% and that means it's entered bear market territory. That's what is happening with Amazon. So even if you bought it a year ago, you're still way ahead of the game. You just lost 25% of your value. That's short-term pain. But will I still have long-term gains for Amazon? I believe it will. I really do. Now, the question is, where do you buy it? Do you buy it now? Is it now the time to buy it? And I'm hesitant here. Hesitant, I think, because its value is still not inexpensive. It's expensive. And if you compare that with Apple, it's a little different story. This is Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and I invite you to check out our new online training experience, Talk Academy. Justin and I are dedicated to making Talk Academy a valuable learning tool for serious investors to make you above average investor. This is what it does, just like this show. You can learn more about it at investtalkacademy.com. And now I'm ready to take your questions. 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, the KPP premium newsletter distributed to each subscriber's inbox on Fridays, provides a summary of the market week that was, offers a look ahead, and even points out notable stock ideas. You can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. Have you got a question for Steve? He's here, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Okay, so Apple has fallen about 7% in December, all by itself, in, in, in December. And this has been one of the worst Decembers ever for the stock market so far. And it's, we're not over. It could, it, could, it could recover, but, you know, chances are light. It's light, I should say. But, you know, it's, Apple's gone from, like, $230 a share now to 166 since October. First couple days in October is when it peaked. That is pretty sharp. 
and there's it's, Apple's not alone in this. I mean, a lot of stocks have done a lot of the Fang stocks have, have done this. So what? How much further? I, I get this question. The reason why I'm talking about because I get this question. How much further is it going to go down? No one really knows. Let's start there. No one really knows how far the market's going to go down, how individual stocks are, how far they'll go down. No one really knows. But you do look at historical trends. For, for Apple, for instance, just looking back at a chart, okay, and looking at the different studies on the chart, you can tell that it looks like it's oversold. Relative strength indicator is the saying that's oversold. If you and remember on the Best Academy, we're talking about lessons here. We had a little chart lesson. We're going to have more in the future on the class. We think they're important for everybody. But if you look at the RSI, relative strength indicator, and the way you look at the indicator is it runs from like from uh, oh zero to nine, I think thirty to ninety, something like that. When it's below 30, it runs from 0 to 90, technically. When it's below 30, that's oversold. When it's above 70, that's overbought. Okay, and if you look at the chart, it was overbought right at the beginning of September. It was overbought. It started to go sideways and then fell in October. Now it's oversold. Uh, now, if you look at the MACD, another technical uh, charting study, MACD stands for Moving Average Convergence and Divergence, and it consists of three different moving averages and how they intertwine with each other. It has bottomed about two weeks ago and is now moving up very slightly since then, where the stock continues to fall. And that's the key. The stock has fallen, and these things are indicating that buyers are starting to come into it. Short-term buyers are starting to come in. They think that it's gone about as far as it goes. Then if you look back, you can see it has a lot of support because back in February, it fell down to 150 and bounced up. Then in May, it fell down to 160 and bounced up. So between 150 and 160, there's probably a lot of support. People are going to be buyers back, back down there. Now the question is, is there enough buyers? No. I think it's very possible. Remember, it's at 166 now. So that's what we're thinking technically might happen to Apple. They might fall a little bit more, but it looks like it's starting to, you know, find some kind of support. Not, not yet. I'm not telling you to go and get it yet, but you know, from a technical point of view, it, the signs are starting to perk up a little bit. Okay. Okay. I think you know that I enjoy taking questions from you, the listeners. I really like it. So let's do it. Here's a question that came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve or Justin. I was calling about BTI, British Tobacco. I see that they have dropped in value recently, but their price-to-earnings ratio looks favorable as well as their dividend. Thank you. BTI, British American Tobacco, happens to be one of the stocks we own in our managed account. We've lost money on it. Not happy about it. UK-based manufactured tobacco products sold under more than 200 brands worldwide. It is a $60 billion company. Pays a huge 8.2% dividend. And we were just talking about the various technical studies on Apple. BTI also has a oversold RSI signal which tells me it might go up and the macd is showing much stronger on the upside while the stock is continues to fall has continued to fall 
And I think we're getting very close to the bottom. I think if you own it and you sell it now, you're making a mistake. So we're not selling it. It's one of those big blue chip, very stable companies. Has a 9 PE. You know, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be an 8 PE if the stock doesn't move by next year's earnings. So, and that's historically, it's never been below nine for the last five, six years almost. So I think, and, I think it. I think it's a stock that you hold on to. I would wait a little longer if I wanted to buy, take a position because I'd like to see some strength come in it if I was going to buy more. But I'm. I'm not going to sell it. I'm not going to sell our positions on BTI, British American Tobacco ADR, American Depository Receipt Trader on our Exchange. I think it's it, it's oversold. It's going to have a rally. I don't know how strong the rally will be. And we'll have to decide whether you want to buy and sell that rally. Meanwhile, growth, sales growth, last quarter was 60% sales growth. Now, I think that's going to come way down, but still going to be growing. BTI. Tomorrow on Invest Talk, five countries now suffering in bear markets. Countries. Is the U.S. next? Remember, with an interconnected global economy, financial systems, and all the other systems we have, there is fear that overseas bear markets will or could eventually affect us, our U.S. market. I think we're seeing some of that. That story is tomorrow, everybody. But for now, I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein invite you to join them for their next free live webinar Thursday, December 27th, 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Understand the current market environment. Develop a plan to manage the risk in your portfolio. Plus, get a special webinar preview of 2019 and learn where to expect to find investment opportunities. An all-new live webinar, December 27th, and it's free. All you have to do is register at investtalk.com. Okay, you've got finance and investment questions, and the lines are open. Call now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. So let's talk about the Fed. Because the Federal Reserve probably won't save the stock market. Remember their meeting this week. Uh, we'll know, was it tomorrow? Tomorrow's, today's Tuesday. Well, I think it's Thursday. Uh, they're meeting. And they're going to come out and probably raise a rate a quarter point. Um, but And they've threatened to raise the rates. I don't want to say threatened. They said they're going to raise a rate several more times next year in the past. That's been the implication. And recent, recently, you've been hearing some of the other Federal Reserve presidents. Remember, there's, what, Nine districts or 12 districts, uh, 12 presidents and nine that vote. I think that's what it is. Um, and, and they rotate. And some of them have been hinting that there might be, uh, you know, maybe we need to stop. But the Federal Reserve has its models that it plugs in the numbers to. You know, they're very statistically, statistic oriented. They're saying, look at these numbers. Great um, great employment numbers. Great job market. A little bit of inflation wages. So they're looking at data, data, and they're saying, hey, things ain't so bad. They're even looking at the stock market. Say, hey, it's not been so bad. We haven't seen any negative wealth effect yet. This is my problem with the Fed. 
This is my problem. They look at the numbers now and they see the numbers and they project those same numbers in the future. And the, the bazillion years I've been watching things, economy and the stocks, if you look at stuff today, that has nothing, no predictive value of the future, nothing to do with the future. So instead of looking at just these models and having blinders on, they're not looking at stuff like, well, there's, uh, you know, people are starting to worry about what's going on. The people, you know, investors are worried about, you know, India, China and the EU and the investors. The stock market itself is a very strong leading economic indicator. And that you're looking at a not you're looking at the stock market that, yeah, maybe the top line numbers with the indexes are not so bad, but the underlying is bad. There's half of the S&P, more than half of the S&P are down more than 20%. That's bear market. And the stock market is a leading economic indicator. So it looks, and the housing market is starting to, even though they had a good numbers out today on housing starts, but if you'll note that those were apartment buildings and not single family units, single family units were down. See, I'm thinking, you know, you also not just look at the numbers, look at the cycle that you're in and what's starting to work, what's starting not to work. And they need to take a broader picture and they're not paying attention. They're looking at stats. And I'm thinking stats are good. I look at them every day. But, you know, they have been wrong every time. Why don't they look at their own stats? They have been every, every time for many, for I don't know how many of the last, you know, 20 recessions wrong they've been wrong they've been raising rates right up to the recession then turning around so they've been wrong so why not so uh, this is so don't expect the fed to say oh, i think we're done raising rates I, I <laughs> they're not going to say that so that therefore the market may not you know may not be comfortable if they were smart i think they're stuck they have to raise their rates this week because they don't want to be uh, they don't want to be perceived as kowtowing to president president trump so they're kind of stuck with this rate but they can start talking about the pow the federal chairman can say you know we are probably going to slow down on our rate increases and it's going to be data dependent but there are certain factors that are weakening in the world economy and we're paying watching those very close that will give the stock market a lot of comfort We'll see what he says. I'm not sure he'll say stuff like that. We get a wide, a wide variety of investing and finance questions on the program on our anytime listener line. Number is 888-99-CHART. So here, here's one from a caller. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the call. I had a question about B2 Gold. I'm looking at more defensive routes coming into the uh, possibly future recession. And um, ticker symbol is BTG. I'm just wondering how you feel about this company specifically. There's a ton of gold companies out there, but this one looked okay to me. Thank you. Now, if you've been listening to the show, you know, Justin and I are, are, are high on gold right now and have been for a while. Um, I'm not a gold bug. Gold is not something I have to own or think is just wonderful. I think long term, it's not a very good investment. But there are times, like now, when it looks like a good opportunity. BT, B2 Gold Corporation is out of Vancouver, uh, uh, Canada. Canadian company engaged in gold mining in Nicaragua, Nibia, and the Philippines. It's a $2.7 billion company. Uh, their earnings are 
their sales went up 110% in the most recent quarter, but it's a small, the sales are small, only 300 million in the last quarter after being up 110% from year over year. So we're talking about, you know, you know, small sales. It's a $2.77 stock, so it's very low price on that, that basis. They're going to make $0.17 cents this year after making only $0.05 cents last year, and they're supposed to make 18% ne- $0.18 cents a share next year. Well, that means that the stock is pretty reasonably priced. It's not cheap, but it was $2.20 back in October, and ever since the market has been acting bad, the, this, this and other gold companies have been rising. Rising. And remember what moves gold? Dollar going down in value. That will move gold. So if the dollar goes down, gold will go up. The dollar's not moving now. It's still strong. So that didn't push gold. Inflation will push gold up. Don't got much. We don't have much inflation. There's not much inflation going on. And then the last thing that moves gold is fear. Well, we have fear increasing. And I think that's what you're seeing. A fear that we're late in the economic cycle. A fear that we might go into recession. A fear that, you know, the world economy is slowing down. And that fear, I think, is reflected in gold prices right now. If we get the dollar to go down, gold's going up. We get inflation, gold's going up. We get more fear, gold's going up. So I think the dollar is peaking. I think we probably won't have a lot of inflation, but I do. it's hard for me to believe the dollar's going to continue to go up. Remember, the dollar is going up because the EU is starting to show signs of possible recession. We're not. What happens if we start showing signs? Probably dollar will go down. And that means gold will go up. So it's a gold position right now is a fairly defensive one. And I think that's a it's a good time to be defensive. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we stream and broadcast Invest Talk live in the four o'clock hour Pacific time each weekday. It's also available 24 hours a day, seven days a week via archived podcast at investtalk.com. And I certainly hope you'll tell your friends and family and everybody else about Invest Talk. I really do. And please let them know they can listen anytime they want through the podcast links. Remember, that's at investtalk.com. And now the lines are open. We're taking your financial or investing questions live, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where their commitment to reason and common sense guidance can help make you a better investor. 2018 is almost over, and if you're unsure about the consistency of your skill set with regard to managing your portfolio, now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for individualized guidance. Start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial Office in Dana Point, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. The InvestTalk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. All the biggest stocks that are now in bear market territory in one chart. So here's some of the lists. And they're the, 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 the 38% down for Netflix. Wow. Facebook. 
36%. Dow Chemical, 32%. Um, what's that one? Citigroup, 32%. Ambie, IBM, 3M, AT&T, Google, Amazon. You know, the least one, the ones fall least on this list that they gave me is Google, down 21%. Now, how can these big, all these big companies be down so much in bear market territory, but the index is not be in bear market territory? That's because certain utilities, certain sectors have not fallen down that much. Okay, you know the you, you utility who I'm looking at here. Uh, yeah, the utility sector, healthcare sector. You know, they, there's been some, there's big sectors that haven't fallen that far and they're holding up the market. The big tech has fallen sharply and there's other names, as I pointed out, you know, that have fallen sharply, but, you know, they're not dragging all the market down with them necessarily. Okay, but the big tech, the tech, of course, is it's fallen pretty hard, but we're still not in bear market territory for the whole sector. Just certain big stocks are. So it's kind of an interesting dichotomy. I want to say because they're the majority of the stocks in the indexes or in bear market territory that we're in a bear market. Uh, you know, but officially, quote unquote, officially bear markets are based on indexes falling 20% or more. The Dow, the S&P 500, the NASDAQ. But take a look at the Russell 2000. It's down 20%. Does that mean it's just not the whole world market? Everybody, I think you need to act that this we're in we're in the middle of a bear market. Well, maybe not the middle, at the beginning of a bear market, and you just have to if you haven't already you know bolstered your defenses, it's getting very late in the game to do so. It is. We're going to get a bounce. We're going to get a rally. I can't tell. You. Maybe January. I don't know. But we are going to get a bounce, and I'm worried that, that that's going to be a trap, a bear market trap, you know, that is going to get you to get back in the market and then roll right back down. down. So be very, very cautious about moving forward. There's nothing wrong with holding on some cash on the sidelines. Nothing wrong with that. Now, looking at my official Talk broadcast clock here in the studio, and studio. My studio is in my bedroom, by the way. In case you're or not my bedroom, but my, my office. I have a office at the house. <laughs> That's where I work. Uh, the radio show. I go to my regular office during the day, and I come here to do the radio show. But and I can see by the clock that we're running late in the day. Okay, this this call came in earlier at eight 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 ninety nine chart. This is Jamie from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. There was a statement made on the show that indexing does not work for bond funds. Could you please explain why and what a new investor might do otherwise better fill their bond portion of their portfolio? Thanks. Okay, and Boston is beautiful, by the way. My, our best friends live in Boston. I've been back there many times. <coughs> Excuse me. And I really do like Boston. It is, I, I love Boston. Um, new York is fun, but Boston is beautiful. And there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot more history in Boston for some reason. I don't know why. Anyways, I don't want to necessarily say bond funds don't work. But if you buy individual bonds and have enough diversification, they work better. couple of reasons. 
Number one, bond funds have a cost, okay? You have an ongoing cost with a fund. It, you know, the, the, the where we're managing the funds has to get paid, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that's one of the things. The other is the bond fund sells at a net asset value, meaning the value of the bonds in there, whatever their value is, is what the price of the bond fund is, okay? And the value of those bonds go up and down, with the raising and falling, the rising and falling of interest rates. And right now, interest rates are rising. Therefore, the NIV, net asset value of the bonds, of the bond fund you're buying, is going down, 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 down. As long as interest rates rise, that will happen. The opposite is true also. If interest rates fall, the value of that bond fund goes up. If you buy individual bonds, let's say you have 10, 15, 20 of them in your portfolio, the, you buy those bonds at par, which is $10,000 or $1,000, $10,000, $100,000, depends on how, many, how much you buy. And you buy it at par, say $10,000. And if interest rates rise, and it's a five-year bond, let's say you, oh, you bought a five-year bond. As interest rates rise, the value of your bond will also go down, just like the bonds in a bond fund. It will go down if interest rates rise. But if you hold it to maturity, it will go back to par, the $10,000, and you get your money back. So you collect along the way your interest rate, let's say 5% a year for five years, and then you get your money back. Bond funds don't mature. They just continually reinvest and continually go up and down based on what interest rates do. So I don't like bond funds for that right reason. But it's very difficult for an individual person to go out and buy a good group of bonds, you know, because you don't have enough money. You know, for instance, we buy several million dollars at a time and then split it up between all our clients. And that buy gives us better opportunities. When you go out and buy $1,000 or $5,000 or $10,000 bond, you know, you're really small potatoes. And so you get offered kind of crappy bonds. It's not very, it's not like the stocks. You know, it, there's bonds keep coming out. And, hard to evaluate them if you're an individual. This is Invest Talk, and I'm Steve Peasley. Our Tuesday program is headed into the finish line. Got about 10 minutes left, everybody. And remember, please, we keep our anytime listener line open all the time around the clock. So you can call now or later and leave your investment questions. But at the moment, I'm taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, there are now at least five countries in bear markets. So with an interconnected global economic and financial system, there is a fear that overseas bear markets could eventually infect the U.S. That story tomorrow. But now, Steve is here, he's got answers, and he's waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to Lee in San Mateo. How you doing, Lee? Hey, I'm doing just fine. Thank you for taking my call. I was You're listening welcome. to uh, you talking about bonds, and I was wondering, mm-hmm. is that different from U.S. Treasury bonds? And also, okay. when is the time to buy Treasury bonds, U.S. Treasury? Okay. Okay. The bonds and up. U.S. The rating? Is that you what know, you said? US the ratings Treasury are not going bond, uh, Okay. No, I, I like U.S. Treasury bonds. 
Okay. U.S. Treasury bonds are the safest bonds. They're absolutely 100% safe, okay? But not all bonds okay. are safe. And all, all bond is issued, a bond is issued by various types of entities. One is the government, which you were talking about, the U.S. Treasury. But they also can be issued mm-hmm. by states. They can be issued by cities. They can be issued by counties. So those are all government bonds. Then there's bonds issued by companies, corporations. Okay, those are magnitude less safe. Okay, less safe. But even in that corporate bond world, there are pretty darn safe bonds. Like, for instance, AT&T issues bonds, and AT&T is probably not going to go out of business. But that's at one end of the scale. Then at the other end of the scales, there's what we call junk bonds, which are not safe. Okay, they're not terribly, they're not as risky as stocks, but they're not safe, but they pay a hot lot higher interest. So you as a bond buyer have to decide, do I want, where do I want to be on that scale from, you know, a lot safer than stocks, but not safe to ultimate safety U.S. Treasury. Okay. So the ultimate safety U.S. Treasury is where you have no risk and therefore they pay much less interest. Because a thirty a ten year bond pays about three percent, where I can buy you a good quality corporate bond for the same time period can pay for five ten years can you get six six and a half percent? You see, so you get twice as much, but you're taking a little bit more risk because they're not absolutely safe. So the you that's the difficult part for an individual as well in buying bonds. How risky bonds do I take? Where do I go? And you can't even rely on the rating agencies. They're supposed to rate the bonds based on safety. Triple A plus is the safest corporate bonds. And it goes to triple A, then triple A minus, 2A, 2A plus, 2A, 2A minus, 1A, BBB, CC, you know, gone down, 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 down. But, you know, in the financial crisis we just had, the financial crisis we had, Lee, in 2008, there was all these triple A plus rated bonds that went out of business and they were should have been junk. And the rating agencies got it all wrong. So you just can't rely just solely on the rating agencies for safety. Yeah, you just can't. Lee, appreciate the call. Thank you. Good question about bonds. 888-989 chart. You know Robin Hood. Robin Hood is that is the custodian that you can do trading on your phone and it's free trades and there's all kinds of benefits for small investors, really small investors. Well, they are now offering savings and checking accounts that they say are SIPIC insured. SIPIC. And the SEC says, wait a minute. They're not FDIC insured and they may not be SIPIC insured because they're not SIPIC uh, kinds of companies, which is, you know, a, a, a what is insured under SIPIC is investment accounts, which Robinhood has always had. But now they're advertising savings and checking accounts, and those are not SIPIC insured. Those fall under FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, and Robinhood is not an FDIC member. So there's so when you put your money in their savings account or checking account, that may not be insured, FDIC insured. That's kind of important. It's kind of important, everybody, if you're going to just put money in Robinhood. They don't have, they have SIPIC insurance for your investment accounts, but not, may not have insurance. And I say may because they're still working this out. Uh, uh, 
may not have insurance for your checking and savings accounts there. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another InvestTop program. Seems like they go by pretty fast. I, I want to thank you for your support questions. I do really, really appreciate it. I want you to have a nice evening, everybody, and I'll be back tomorrow, I promise. Keep working on your holiday shopping. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call one 800 557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.